So what I think that we do is give them a pathway to get to the point to address their issues that they see in front of them, but also provide a foundation to grow their systems into serving more people. And that is truly what I think the CU is all about, is serving the people. It's episode 10 of Small Talk with Communities Unlimited. My name is Chris Baker. Small Talk is the podcast designed to empower local rural communities. Our environmental team works with water and wastewater projects. Three members of our team are joining us today, Tammy McEwen, and then also Lucas Gwynn and Bradley Pittman. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, introduce uh, our audience to what you guys kind of do, where you exist in the hierarchy of a water project. Certainly, I'd be glad to, Chris. Thank you for having us today. Um, we often get called in to a water project, either through contacts that we have out in the field, because Lucas and Bradley and I have all worked previous positions that we have contacts, and we get called by them to help their system, or USDA may refer them to us, or Oklahoma Department of Environmental Quality. So that's how we come on board is to come help a system that has issues that they need some professional assistance or technical assistance getting through to address those needs. And is it fair to say that's uh, running the gamut all the way from maybe a financial to an actual problem with a, a system, like what everybody thinks of a water system, I mean, like like leaks or something like that. Is that fair to say it runs that gamut? Absolutely. We start off introducing ourselves and a tool that Communities Unlimited has that's called a technical managerial financial assessment. We shortcut that into saying TMF, but we sit with a system and the people that actually are hands-on, whether it be their clerk their billing person, their water operator, their mayor. I've even had board members that will help go through the TMF assessment. But what it does is it helps Communities Unlimited decide which programs that we can bring to the table to help the system, either in their technical, their managerial, or their financial systems, get into a better place to run a more efficient, potable water system. And Lucas, we were talking uh, a little bit ago, your background, you come from an actual operator background. Do you find that in your role with Communities Unlimited, that helps you build that trust because you you speak their language automatically? Uh, Yes, sir. I would say that that definitely helps. And you know, different roles I've had previously, you know, a lot of these people I've, I'm dealing with, I, I already know them and have relationships built there. You know, and to add on to what Tammy was saying with the TMF assessment, we, uh, you know, we can help you in all those areas, technical, managerial, and financial, but, you know, something we don't do is, is hands-on work, you know, and that's something as an operator and just different roles I've had in the past, you know, would come in, you know, somebody would call me, you know, hey, you know, I've got this leak or this part of the plants acting up. You know, and I would come in, you know, I'd come in there and help with that situation, maybe possibly remedy it or, you know, whatever they needed help with, you know, as opposed to what we're doing now, it's just as important. We're still assisting these systems, but to me, it's a little different coming from an operator standpoint. 
in the way I'm helping them now, you know, assisting them with getting a grant to address the solution, the problem long term instead of band-aiding it constantly, you know, like I've had to do in places before. I was at a system a few years ago, Chris, that had a they had zero dollars in the bank. I was trying to actually help them with a hands-on project. And I said, but run to the hardware store, get me this part. We need it. There's no money to go to the hardware store. And then, you know, where I'm trying to tie this into is, you know, there wasn't really anything I could do for him that day in, in a previous role. You know, I was there, you know, technical assistance still, but in the role I'm in now, you know, I'm still there. I'm going to help you, but I'm going to try to get you funding to fix this problem as opposed to I'm going to fix it right now until it breaks again and then call me. At CU, we're addressing, in my opinion, we're finding long-term solutions to these problems instead of the short-term solution, which is necessary at times, you know, I mean, sometimes you've got to get by. So Lucas, is, is it fair to say that maybe in like a, the, the operator role, you might actually be the guy putting on the duct tape, but in your CU role, you're the guy trying to help them find a way to fund the purchase of the duct tape. Yes. Okay. You know, and, and in my role at, you know, at CU as an advisor, you know, I still no hands-on work. I'm not going to come and fix your stuff. I would like to, don't get me wrong, but I can still give you advice on it. I, you know, I can troubleshoot your wastewater plant, your water plant, your distribution system, lift stations, you name it. And I can still give you advice on what you may need to do to fix it. But it's just, uh, it's a different role, a very fulfilling role as far as getting to help these systems out there in need. Because, you know, in reality, I would say it's 95% of the systems in the state of Oklahoma could use some kind of financial help in one way or another. And I, I think I'm probably shooting that number a little low, honestly. Mm-hmm. See, this is a world I, I, I know nothing about. And so it's really interesting. Um, my, uh, my entry into you guys' world was at the RCAP conference. I had just started at CU. I didn't know what a tap was. I didn't know any of this world really existed, but I learned so much there about what the process is like. And then also after that, I had a better understanding of what we did and what our environmental team did that it really opened my eyes to really our seven state region and the, the, the problems that they, that the water systems have, especially in rural, they're, they're varied. I mean, there's so many different scenarios. You guys do all kinds of different stuff. Can you talk a little bit, Bradley, about what the the role that you fill, that you feel that you fill is? Really, I think our biggest deal is, is going in there and, you know, telling them that we're not. I think a lot of communities are afraid that we're, like, going to judge them or, you know, make a list of, of issues or compliance issues or something like in that nature. And really, we're just there as a support group, so to speak, because we're there just to help. We're, we're going to help find funding. We're going to help with training, training operators, uh, training the board or council members, and helping them to where they can tell the public kind of what's going on. Because it seems like that's another big issue is you go into these things, these towns, communities, and Citizens are, you know, as long as the water comes on, they turn the faucet on, it comes on, there's no issue. As soon as something goes wrong with that, you know, there there are are major problems going on. And so they're wondering, well, I'm paying so much money for this water, it ought to just come on. And a lot of times I think citizens don't see how much finances go into chemicals, treating, paying the workers, materials, constant upkeep. Um, that we can help 
find funding for. Sure. I mean, it's a, I think it's fair to say that like the, the situation as I see it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, please do. The people that are sitting on these boards, um, on these councils or whatever the case may be, aren't always necessarily a hundred percent knowledgeable about a problem and their operator may be, and I don't know if you guys have any you know, situations like this exactly, but their operator may be hours away. As soon as something goes wrong, they're on the hot seat real quick. And then they're expected to have answers and they're expected to have um, solutions. It's an interesting dynamic to me because water is so fundamental, but yet it, it is it is also so invisible sometimes. The process that your water goes through to get to that tap, not only technically, but also financially. It's amazing to me. And Tammy, you were talking about the, the TMF. Can you tell us again what that stands for? The TMF is a Technical Managerial Financial Assessment Tool, a three-page questionnaire that we go through with the staff and or board members and or interested stakeholders into helping the system get to the point where they're more professional and that they're able to apply for funding because some of the boards that we deal with don't even have a regular scheduled board meeting. And so very recently, um, I was part of a board training with another CU staff, TAP. A TAP is a technical assistance provider. So we use a lot of acronyms. <laughs> Forgive that, please. So both of these boards, neither one of them met on a monthly basis. And both of them have issues within their systems that need, they need to address. They're both very small systems. So what I think that we do is give them a pathway to get to the point to address their issues that they see in front of them, but also provide a foundation to grow their systems into serving more people. And that is truly what I think the CU is all about, is serving the people. We have so many water systems that are served by different water sources. So you have to know if you're dealing with a well or if you're dealing with the groundwater or if you're pulling water out of a, a lake or a river. And then you have to look at the water treatment system itself. And then, of course, the distribution system that gets this water to the home or to pasture taps or businesses or other water users. So there are so many dynamics in between the source of the water and where it comes on at the tap. It takes that three pages just to get a foundation of knowing what you're dealing with, what is what tools are available to that system to work with, and how we can help us see you get other systems in place to where they can address what they're seeing, what they need help with. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be vital, right? Because if you don't have that foundational knowledge of what you're working with, how do you know what you're working with, right? That's exactly right. And who you're dealing with. Perhaps one of these guys would like to talk about how we build trust, because without the trust between us as Communities Unlimited and the water wastewater systems that we deal with, none of this would be possible. Before you get there, can I ask a real simple question for someone who be listening may not fully understand? How do you define a water system? Is that a stupid question? I don't know. It's <laughs> not a stupid question at all. Okay, how do you define that? It is an organized group 
most of the rural water districts that we deal with were originally a nonprofit that was put together in the early 60s, 1960s. I think it's Title 18 came into effect in the 80s, and those nonprofit rural water districts became trust authorities under the county that they exist in. The funding elements that are available for nonprofits is a different set of funding that's available for the trust authorities available to them today. And so it makes it much easier for us to deliver those funding elements to the trust authorities that exist today, whether they are rural water district or the city of anywhere USA that has a public works authority, that's a trust authority. And those trusts can hold debt and uh, they can work for the benefit of any town USA. And that's their role is to be the funding arm of those water systems. Okay. And so generally speaking, I know situations are, are different, but generally speaking, the hierarchy, the, the, the org chart goes board, operator, right? And then the operator is responsible for the day-to-day function of the water system. What am I missing? Anything else? Billing. Billing? <laughs> Billing is essential in this situation. Okay. So there always has to be someone that's in charge of the financial record keeping as well as paying the bills. Bradley mentioned the chemical costs, which are tremendous. The Clean Water Act deemed some of this testing. And then in the late 80s, there was a new set of lab testing that came into effect that now requires a significant amount of lab testing. And the chemicals used to treat the water systems also can be different depending on what kind of water system treatment you have and what kind of water you are treating. When you're working with a community, like you said, the, you, your initial contact can come from a variety of sources. And you either on the phone or in person or on the computer are coming into a situation where you're responsible for helping. How do you build that trust? Like, what do you do? Sometimes, you know, Chris, I think a lot of it is trying to build trust, you know, identifying with them, number one, and with all of us, already kind of understanding the problem, maybe before you even get there to talk to them, doing doing the footwork yourself. They may contact you to come and help them, but most of the time, the way it's set up, I, I probably can't come right now at this moment. You know what I mean? It may be tomorrow or it may be Thursday. But while I can't come there in the meantime, I've got to research everything you've told me over the phone, everything you've sent me through email, whatever, whatever it takes. You know, I I want to come in there fully aware of your situation to the best of my knowledge. So you will, so you will trust me possibly. And that's normally what I try to do. If I can have the best understanding going in before I ever meet you in person, it's normally flows better from there. And something I, I wanted to touch on something Tammy was talking about earlier, Chris. He was talking about what defines a water system. And uh, for me, there's, I mean, Tammy nailed it directly, but for the most part, this is something I go back to when I've managed a water system. I would hear people come in to me all the time. Well, this isn't, this isn't the amount of money I paid in such and such town before I moved here. Or this town when I lived in 
Nevada, wherever, just throw a name on it. That's true, but there's no two water systems the same. The needs aren't the same. The amount of customers aren't the same. And the two big differences, my opinion, are some water systems are in an area where they can produce their own water. They're capable of producing it, whether it be wells or a lake or surface water plant, however. You know, then some are at the mercy of having to purchase that water and have it pumped 30 miles across the county, and then you've got that added cost. You know, so I guess what I'm trying to say is you have a purchase, purchase system and then just a, your own system. And most of the time, people who are on a purchase system their bills are normally just higher in general, unless you have an old, just a plant that's not been updated, you know, maybe built in the 60s and it's just now, it's ran its life cycle. It's time to get some grant money or whatever you need to do and and start moving forward with that. And like I said, I just wanted to bring that up because there's not a template for a water system. This one, you know, my hometown's not gonna be like my neighboring town or the rural water district 10 miles down the road. It's not possible, it's not feasible for everybody to have the same rates or the same problems. Yeah. I mean, I think people, I think I, I'll say me, before I started working here, water was water. I turned it on. Okay. It costs a little more in this town versus the town that I lived in. I didn't think about those problems. And one of the things that I've discovered is that water operators, people like y'all in the, in the, in the tap world, the technical assistance world and, and organizations like CU, there is a lot of work behind the scenes that goes on in order to deliver that. So much goes on behind the scenes to make that happen. It's incredible. We're talking about to uh, Tammy, Lucas, and Bradley from our environmental team in the Oklahoma state uh, of our environmental team. And we're talking water, wastewater operations, which when you say that out loud, guys, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, right? We're talking water and wastewater. But man, it's like an onion, you start un uncovering the layers, and all of a sudden, you get to really interesting projects. Bradley, you were the one that brought up trust, so I wanted to ask you specifically if there was something that you had to contribute to that discussion about building trust when you come into a community. Like I was saying earlier, it seems like when we come into a community or rural water district, they think that you know we're out to get them. We're there to basically tattle on them. You know, we're going to go and call and get them fined and all this good stuff and. A lot of times they're they're not very open, you know. They're they're real short in their answers. They just don't want to say too much that that we really need to know in order to help them. And sometimes I've you know I've in the past I've had to just kind of have a conversation and just throw things around until I find a common denominator that they're in as well as I am or interest. A while back I worked with a town. Got there they you know. We're very uptight, and I got to talking to the operator. You know, I could tell he was really the trust wasn't there. He didn't want to. He didn't want to talk to me. He was scared he'd say too much and you know get town in trouble or whatever. I started talking about the weather, rain, and and got off on the running cattle, which I do in my spare time. And and he had that common interest, and so you know, for forty five minutes we talked about cattle and crops and stuff and we're able to bridge that trust gap that was there you know then then it was that trust was there and so he was able to open up and actually tell me what was going on knowing that I was there to help I wasn't there to pass judgment or turn them in for not being in compliance I was there just to help them try to get you know funding for upkeep or you know what have you 
it's kind of like when you go to the doctor. I don't know if you guys are the same way that I am, but I don't always, I'm not always up front with my doctor about <laughs> my shoulder hurts. It's not too bad, doc. But in reality, it's like bad, bad. I don't really want to be honest with them, you know. Sounds like kind of a similar thing, you know. So, Lucas, you were talking about having a foundational understanding of the issue. And I know in the state of Oklahoma, um, there's kind of a unique well, it's not unique, but it's it's stronger in the state of Oklahoma with the tribal relationships. There's a there's a huge trust factor there. I've got to imagine because you guys are coming from a governmental place, right? Is there something there that we can talk about? I, I don't really necessarily have a question per se. So I'm very blessed because I've been working for 24 years in water and wastewater systems. Through that amount of time, there have been two people at the Turkey Nation Environmental Department that. I had the privilege of starting a relationship with over 20 years ago, along with a young lady named Karen Conrad that worked for an organization named Communities Unlimited. We were all brought into a project. A private water and wastewater system had let their systems go to such demise that they could no longer serve potable water to the community of about 200, 250 people. There was an internal and external argument about the for-profit system because all they had done was take the money and they had not kept up maintenance. They had not done anything that they should have been doing. And they were wanting to get grant money to fix their systems. Well, as most of us realize in funding, private companies do not generally receive grants for water and wastewater systems. So... They had to donate their water and wastewater systems to the community for those systems to be eligible for any kind of grant or loan funding. That's how I was blessed to be able to be introduced to the Turkey Nation Environmental Department, where we built a system of five funding elements to address the wastewater system first. In the town, in essence, eventually gave their water system to a new nearby rural water district because they realized they did not have the resources nor the technical savvy to run a water system themselves. The rural water district, along with the Cherokee Nation and the funding that they could bring to the systems, put the water back intact enough to be under compliance. So the Cherokee Nation is a 14-county reservation that wants to serve their citizens. And in essence, they serve their neighbors by serving their citizens. They count on their partner relationships with Communities Unlimited and other state water, wastewater stakeholders to help keep account on how many Native Americans are within a region because that's how they base their funding for these systems. These are the easiest people that we work with because once they know what a system's needs are, they say, this is the amount we're going to donate to the system. Provide, I shouldn't say donate. They're going to provide this. And we just know it's done. That's basically it. We don't handle any of their financing. In the particular project that I was talking about, USDA kept the running books of all these different funding sources because this funding source could pay for this but not that. But I cannot say enough nice things about the Cherokee Nation Environmental Department and the support that they provide for the communities and the water-wastewater systems. 
also had the pleasure of working with the Myama Nation, and they are currently upgrading a real water district within their jurisdictional boundaries. But they're um, upgrading a real water district right now so that they can have a better um, cattle production facility as well as some of their uh, their cemetery grounds and a couple of their gathering places. They have a longhouse and then they have a, um, a facility where they invite and let guests stay that are coming to serve the tribe in some way. So they're, they're improving that water system to serve the rural water district better, but also their facilities better. These, uh, these relationships Stanley's speaking of with these different tribal nations through the state are, are just huge in the tr building the trust that we was talking about earlier too because, you know, a lot of these different places, I mean, the, especially here in Northeast Oklahoma, you know, the Cherokee citizenship is, I don't, I don't know the number on it right now. With working with Cherokee Nation and, and partnering with them as well at times, you know, we everybody you know knows them you know and they have the trust with them you know and then that just that just doubles up on the building the trust with us coming into a place especially would say not using them to get the relationship but you know just just that relationship in general knowing them you know people have built that trust in them for the last hundred years and then just getting to to work with them to assist goes a long ways good networking really you know just knowing just knowing different people and different entities can go a long ways just in what we do and that's a good lead into the next episode because what i want to talk to you guys this one's going to air um before august august is national water quality month the next episode we're going to talk about will be during water quality month um and i want to talk about what you do and what water quality means and how you got there. And uh, we're in Oklahoma today and we'll be back again next week for a new episode. I hope you join us for a small talk. We'll see you. Mm -hmm.